0: Now, can I remind you, this is God's word to us today. So this is the most precious thing you're going to receive. So don't squander it, give it full attention, don't yawn at it. This is God's word. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. But the Pharisees and the, ta- and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one does she not light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it she calls her friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me I have found my lost coin In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And may the Lord add much blessing to the reading of his word. Practically to work that into our caring for one another plan that we've got over this next few weeks. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we want to learn and we want to hear and we want to receive from you. And we pray, O oh Lord, you'd be merciful to us. We thank you that your word speaks of a God who moves towards us quite often when we're not interested and don't want to know. We thank you for your relentless pursuit and outrageous grace towards those who don't even realise they are needy. Uh, Lord, we recognise from last week, we considered how needy we are as people. And we pray, O Lord, that you would help us to be aware of our sin and our limitedness and your overwhelming power and willingness so that we may orientate our heart and use the opportunities in the circumstances that we face and amongst the people that we know with the life that you've given us. Please help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant, let me share with you one of the encouragements. Probably the biggest encouragement of this week was an unexpected phone call that I got from a guy who I go bike riding with. And Becky's already shut off because I'm talking about biking, and my apologies. Now, you know, sometimes there are people who are quite influential in a group of, of peers, and this is one of those guys, and outwardly, you if you were to look at his life, you were to look at his abilities, you were to look at his past track records, you'd say, he's the kind of guy who has absolutely got it made. And over the last couple of years, I've been getting to know him. And I really, <laughs> he's such a likable guy. And I've been able to just chat and find out a little bit about his life. So whenever we're cycling along, I find out how he's, how he's getting on with his work. And the thing that one of the things that's always struck me is the way in which he's really bothered and trying to do his best and in guiding his boys towards making good decisions in life and you can tell that's something that really bothers him he likes to connect well with his family he's generous he's thoughtful and although he's got quite a tough front he really does care about people and it's not difficult for me to as I've got to know him and talk with him to just say how much I appreciate that about him I suppose in the getting to know him and taking the time to ask one extra question that has has given me opportunities to say well do you mind if I pray that for you and, you know, he takes the mick a little bit, and that's okay. But I've been able to pray for him and then go back and follow up and say, listen, I was, you know, we, we talked about that thing. I, how's it going? I was praying for you. And that's what I think has led to the surprise I got when I got a phone call this week. And it was him. And he was like, Steve, um, I was expecting it to be something to do with cycling membership or something like that, but it was a little bit of a... And you could tell he was a little bit... Wasn't quite sure what to say. And I said, oh, it's really good to hear from you, you know. Um, <laughs> what's this all about? And he's like, well, it's uh, it's like a new year, isn't it? And I, I thought um, it'd be good to, you know, go and catch a coffee. And I'm like, okay, knowing full well that he'd never asked that before. And I was like, well, I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, anything particular on your mind? And it went into a conversation where, against all my expectation, he says... Steve, I'm, I've got to sort myself out. There's a few things that I really need some help with. Um, I need some sort of counsel. Would you meet with me so I can talk through some of the things that are going on in my life and how I'm responding to that? And I tell you what, if I was on my bike at the time, um, I'd have fallen off it because it's the, le- the last thing that I expected. And I'm like, wow, I'm... Do you know, I would consider it a privilege. Thank you for trusting me. And if I can be of any help, uh, I would like to be able to help if I can. And so hopefully at some point over the next week or two, I'll be able to meet up and chat with him. The guy's not a believer, but he knows that I am and he knows that I pray. I even finished the phone call saying, listen, I I know you're not quite in the same world as I am in terms of who God is and praying, but can I pray for you something as I get ready to, to meet and he gave me some really deep and honest things. And I felt another sense of privilege with that. So my question and the reason for telling you this is that I'm guessing as you hear that story, you think, actually, that is, that's the way it's supposed to work, isn't it? We're supposed to move towards people in a way that they sense that they matter to us because they do. And we're supposed to move towards people in a way... Um, that gets to know them better? And I suppose we have to be honest that that's pretty difficult to do. So where is it we're gonna get the strength to remember to do this? Where is it that we're gonna get the shape and the motivation and the sense of of doing that? Because listen, there's, there's demands on your time and there's oodles of people out there and you've got priorities of your own where are we going to get a sense that one of the key things that will mark us as people who know Jesus, if we know, people, if, we, if we know Jesus today, that we will be those who are moving towards others in order to relate to them, to know them, and to hopefully walk with them as they think about who the Lord is and how he meets with people. And so if we're going to see that, I couldn't think of a better place to go than those early verses and. Luke chapter 15, let me just read them to you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. You know what happens when they're muttering, don't you? That muttering is like, what on earth is going on here? There are people coming to Jesus because Jesus has come to them and they're the kind of people you shouldn't even bother with. They're the kind of people you don't make time for. We're the okay people, and we like to maintain this facade that we are all right, and by Jesus even how engaging with them, it's actually putting, making us look pretty bad. Because there's a, a, something in the human heart, isn't there, that says, I want to play pretend like we're all okay, and I like the idea that I don't have to need and receive from the living God. And if you wanted the captains of that, it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, the old Jewish establishment as Jesus saw it. And they mutter, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Did you notice that word there? What does Jesus do? Start with a W, he welcomes. You notice that's not passive. That's active. That's active. There is an intent to do something. And I know right now at the beginning of the year when you're already feeling exhausted and you're thinking, how the monkeys am I going to get to 2021? The Christian life is one that is active. We are active in welcoming in Jesus' name because Jesus was the ultimate welcomer. And Jesus knew what was going on and he knew that there were people muttering and he knew that there were those who were saying, why bother? Don't bother. Let's just all play. Let's pretend that we're all okay and nobody needs each other. Or at least I'll have people who I find are easy and low maintenance. And Jesus tells stories of finding and moving out towards. Let's get the first one. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it i was just stuck on that fra- that phrase go after did you spot that go after here is somebody or a sheep and the idea is it's people like you and me who is in a situation where they are worth going after Now, if you are a believer here today, Jesus decided you were worth going after. And let me remind you that that decision that he made to do that was much more based in his character than your worth, which makes it all the more amazing. I remember always being on a certain sport that we played at at school towards the back end of being picked for the team. It's miserable, isn't it? But here is Jesus who goes after. He doesn't just pick, he goes after. And you've got this beautiful image of a field in the open country where it's reasonably safe, and he looks at all of them, and he decides, there could be my priority. But instead, what I will do is make a choice, an active choice, to leave that lot for a lot in order that I can pursue, go after, move towards that one over there. And of course, we're supposed to see in this parable that that is a description of why Jesus is welcoming the tax collectors and the sinners, the ones that other people say aren't worth bothering with. But what I'm trying to get you to see here is their massive personal initiative that Jesus says he takes to meet people, to go after them. And of course, we know that verse so well, don't we? Jesus came in to seek and to save what? Those who are all okay on their own? to seek and to save those who are, which is you and me. And if this is part of our story, then what we will do is we will pursue and do more than just say, oh, bless you, I hope you have a nice week. We will get involved. We will leave something in the pursuit of of others. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily in trouble more than we are, but we will invest in relationship. We will invest in people because what matters most to Jesus is People. People like you and me. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his mates and his neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent And therein lies this beautiful picture of gospel initiative that heaven is lit up when people who were walking in their own way turn back around and process their whole lives and come to the living God in the light of all of his mercy. And he's saying, that's what I want you to value too. In fact, if you receive that, you will value it. And there's another parable that, that, that goes just as far. It's possibly even more powerful. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one, and she's already beginning to think about how she's going to pay for the groceries that week, or how she's going to get in the new posh frock, and all of that kind of thing. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house? And here's the bit that captured me. Can you see the next words? Search carefully. Now, I want you to think about your own personal story of the ways in which the Lord searched carefully for you. What did he use? What were the means of drawing you near? Of laying hold and claiming you? The point of this coin that is lost is when a coin is lost, it doesn't pick itself up and go and get found again, does it? like one of those bags at the airport when it is in lost and found, it can sit there and it will go round on that travelator thing again and again and again and if it's lost it'll just stay lost until somebody comes along and searches carefully for it and Christ did that for you and it was active And as we get a sense of that, we realise that we are to be those who move towards others, towards people who don't yet know the Lord, towards people who belong to him. And how is the primary way that Jesus does that? Well, he comes and leaves glory and steps into our reality. And he bears the worst that the world can throw at him. And he faces the jabs and the accusations of being small and insignificant when he is the one who is keeping them breathing in that moment. And then in that moment of grace, rather than say, stuff the lot of you, he goes to the cross to bear the weight of the sin and judgment that is due to his enemies. And that is how he seeks and saves and searches and finds. And of course, he rises three days later victorious. So the big question is, is that do we have to go and die for other people as we move towards them? No, we don't. The primary way it seems that the Bible invites us to move towards others, is with a sense of who the Lord is, to share his word by knowing other people well. Have taken the time to find out about somebody, to be interested in their life, that you may be able to share something of that truth as to where they are in that moment. And perhaps they're somebody who seems to be doing really well spiritually. Guess what they still need? they still need relationships with people who know them well and love them through this lens of Christ's pursuing love. So in the remainder of the little bit of time that I've got with you, I would simply like to help you go that little bit deeper in moving towards other people who are in your sphere of influence or perhaps who are a little bit beyond at this moment. How do we get to know people move towards people in order that we can get to know them. In this book, there's loads of different examples of that. But he he says, uh, Ed Welsh says this, he says, because of Jesus, you no longer look for the easiest person to talk to when people gather. Instead, you move towards the quieter ones, the new person, the outlier. Imagine a group of people who move towards each other, active more than passive, loving more, then they fear rejection. And he gives quite a powerful example of this. He thinks of a guy he knew, a man who shared with a small group that his past year had been the most difficult of his life. Now imagine if you're in a small group and you say that to somebody, you know, I've really gone through troubles. What could be the worst thing that happens in that moment? In response, no one said a word. No one ever approached him. No one asked, please tell me more. How are you doing now? Can I pray for you? Not one, nobody. Is it no surprise that he kept himself to himself for the next 10 years? Because when you become vulnerable, uh, when you open up and reveal yourself and make yourself known, you immediately become vulnerable. Will you be found in a community of people who will move towards you in the midst of what you face? So here you are, I just want to give you a few little ways in which you can grow in the way in which you move towards people to know them so that they are prepared to receive from you. I suppose what you could do is, the person that I spoke about who gave me that phone call earlier this week, what were some of the things that I'd been trying to do with him in the name of Jesus in order that set it up to a point where he would pick up the phone at a point where he felt like he wanted to get some help and support? There you go. I think it's all about how you listen and ask questions in conversation with people. Now, I know that some one of the most stressful times of the week for some of you is the last 10 minutes or 20 minutes after church when we're all chatting. Because it's just difficult, isn't it, to put yourself out there and to talk with people. When you're in conversation with people, we do all kinds of things that we, to try to make it slightly more comfortable for ourselves because we find it difficult. Tell me some of the things that we do to try to make it a little less uncomfortable when we're having a conversation with people. What are some of the things that we do? Stick to safe topics. Stick to safe topics. Good answer. Good. What else? Stick to, safe Stick to safe people who aren't going to throw you a curveball or make you feel awkward or want to run out the door. Good. What else do we do? You keep your mouth shut, you've said something. (laughs) That's it, we've got a safety net. Quite often it's the kids. And you know, that's okay. But it's one of the things we just have to be aware of that we do. Good, what else? I think sometimes what we do is because we're a little bit nervous and we want the conversation to go well, we spend a lot of time talking about our opinion, self, or what's happening to us. So some, you've, sometimes you watch these two conversations where you've got somebody, they want to communicate at a deep level, but what's basically happening is this person doesn't know what today, so they talk about something in their week, and some little detail, and they, that person goes, oh, that gives me something to talk about in my week. And what you do is you're just sort of bouncing off each other, but you're not connecting at a deep level. Anybody been in a conversation or done that before? Yeah, quite often. Good, what else do we do to try and make, uh, ease the, the burden of difficult conversations? None of you ever have difficult conversations or none of you find it difficult in conversation to start a conversation. Wow, we're going to be an amazing church, aren't we? Sometimes what we do is we just avoid people. Sometimes what we do is we listen to somebody and we just talk about how I'm going to fix it. Sometimes we uh, sort of back away when somebody starts talking about something uh, difficult because we feel a little bit out of our depth. Sometimes we will just stay at the purely superficial. You know, we talked about safe topics, but we'll stay at very superficial levels. So what I want to do now is just quickly give you three things, and some of you have heard me do this before, that will help you develop your conversation that is an expression of lovingly moving towards somebody to know them well, okay? Here's one of the things that you can listen out for. Listen out for the good. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you what the three things are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? You remember that? So when you're having a conversation with somebody a little bit later on, listen out for the good, and the reason that I can tell you to do that is because the Bible does that, if you remember in the early verses of the Corinthian letters, you'll find that the Apostle Paul, who is writing to Corinth, and they are a mess. There is immorality, there is pride, there is one up- upmanship, uh, there is sort of leaving people out, uh, there is uh, criticism of the Apostle Paul. And in the, only the second or third verse, he just talks to this jacked up, messed up, arrogant church, and he says, I really do give thanks to the Lord for you. And here are some of the reasons why. Which I find amazing, because it tells me that when he's been listening to what they're facing and how they're responding to life, the first place he goes is to recognise stuff that is good, to recognise stuff that is honouring, to be able to congratulate good effort. I remember, oh, this is way back in the old building, there was one of the ladies who used to come to our church, and most of us at the time agreed that she'd got some real problems with her parenting strategy. She felt incredibly uh, nervous about the way her kids were acting and behaving. And after church one time, I just had a little chat with her and I, I was listening to her and about how she was trying to do right by her kids and how she was a little bit overrun and she just didn't quite know how to do it. And I just said, I just need to stop you there for a minute. I just want to say to you, I just think you're doing a great job as a mum Now, I wasn't telling her in that moment that all of her strategies were absolutely perfect. In fact, some of them left an awful lot to be desired. But I was just recognising as to how hard she was caring for and trying to love her kids. And as I said that, how do you think she responded? She just burst into tears and said, nobody has ever said that to me before. And what happened in that conversation? I'd simply taken the time to listen for the things that mattered and to encourage her and to say thank you. Now, so often we can sit back in a posture of listening out for all that is bad. But I think as we move towards people, we want to listen for all the signs and all the ways in which somebody is trying to handle a situation or face a moment of life with faith or with love or with something that reflects the character of God. I remember speaking to one of the fellows who came, uh, came along to the Tuesday lunchtime fellows group and he was making all kinds of mess about things. But then I just, I just listened and I heard that he'd got a deep sense of loyalty to his father. And although we may have been making all kinds of strange and self-destructive decisions in so many ways, I just picked up on that and I said, can I just tell you, listening to the way that you're really loyal to your dad and his needs and you're there and you put yourself out in order to care for him and you stick by him even when he's really difficult, that really has spoken to me today and I want to take a hold of that and I want to recognize, I want to thank you for it and I also want to tell you something about it. Can I do that? And he says, what do you mean? Tell me something about it. I want to tell you where you got it from. That instinct to be like that has been given and wired into you by a heavenly father who is deeply loyal and faithful to those who are his people. Not because they deserve it, but because he loves. You are echoing the living God as you do that. And he will meet you and strengthen you to do that. And in fact, as you do that, it is an invite from him to know more of that one who is like that. And he just looks at me and goes, Oh, I never thought of it like that. But where did that all come from? We just listen for the good that is a reflection of the wonder of our God. So I say we listen for the good. Do you do that? Could you grow in that? Listening out for the good and being an encourager. What was the second? The good, the the bad. Now, it may surprise you as I say this to you, but most people find, face situations on a regular and daily basis that they would rather have not happened in their life. They face bad and hard things. Anybody there right now? Most of us. Stress levels that we didn't feel like we asked for. Pressures that we feel like we haven't got an answer for. People around us who we're de- de- uh, deeply concerned about. Relational tensions that wear us out work situations that just leave us exhausted, sense of disappointment at the things that could have been. Sometimes we lose people who are incredibly important and valuable to us. Sometimes we let ourselves down and bring all manner of trouble upon ourselves. People face things that are bad. And I wonder how well you listen out for that. So when we speak to people through the week or if we send a text message and we ask, how are we doing? How are you doing? And somebody dares to say, do you know what? I've got this going on and it's really bothering me. Do you merely throw out a truism or say, oh, I'll pray for you? Or do you see that as an opportunity to know that person and move towards them? If you want to know how to do that, the quickest and easiest way is rather than talk about it is simply to say, tell me more. But have you noticed what you tend to do, what your posture is, when people tell you something that is bad? So ask yourself this, what do you tend to do? If somebody comes along and says, I'm facing this, what do you tend to do next in the conversation? What is it you tend to do? Slow down, you're you're helping me loads, but you've already answered something. Did you hear what Dean said? Find something that, that has happened to you that is close to it, okay? Now, what's good and ba- what's bad about responding like that? What's good about it? Oh, go on, Joe. It's, it's good in the sense that you're trying to make a connection, but what you're doing is you're missing what they're saying in that moment, and you trivialise what they're going through. So it's, it could be, you know, you, you've seen these painful conversations that people have, where it's like, so, do you know, I'm really struggling at the moment because I don't want to be here, but I just, I'm finding it really difficult to get past what they did on that occasion. And it's something quite life-altering and changing. And you just go, yeah, I know, it's just, oh, honestly, I can't believe the team choices that Klopp made for Liverpool the other day. I just can't get past it. And you're like, are those on the same level? They're not, are they? So sometimes when we hear that, we, we respond, trying to connect, but uh, what else do we do when, when sometimes people tell us about things that they're finding difficult, things they're finding hard, things that are bad? Oh, thank you. Some of us are like, oh, the way I'm hearing this is you're asking me advice or to jump in and fix it. Men, can you particularly watch out? Sometimes people tell us things, sometimes ladies tell us things, not because they're asking us to fix it, but because they just want to be heard. But quite often, somebody says, oh, do you know, I just, uh, um, I'm just finding it really hard relating to my kids right now. Well, would you like a list of five things you could do to try to improve that? In fact, bring them round and I'll show you. At that point, don't be surprised if that person just goes, because in that moment when you give advice or try to fix it, what you're doing is you're reinforcing a sense of failure. You are giving them the impression that if only they were you, this wouldn't be happening to them. How does that move towards and help that person to know you? It doesn't, does it? What else do we do sometimes when people speak to us about things that they find hard? Oh, just, we'll go. We'll go that way first, and we'll go that way. Brush it, off and the Brush it off and change the subject. In other words, total avoidance. Anybody ever been there? And sometimes it's for just ah, I don't know quite what to do with that. Or sometimes it's because I'm too darn lazy to slow down and care. Good. What was it you were going to say, Josh? Um, just to look for a silver lining. And- oh. Do you know? I don't know quite how I am going to cope with the fact that no matter what I try, she will not talk to me. And I miss her, and I want her in my life, but she just won't get past that. Thing. And I just find this so hot. Don't worry, plenty more friends out for you there somewhere. What have you done? There's a silver line, new opportunity. You minimise in that moment. Anything else that we do? Sorry? Brilliant, I like that. Sometimes we just nod and agree without condition for the way that that person is responding to this hard thing in their life. And I'm saying that we want, we, we be, there will come a point where perhaps the most useful and loving thing we can do is invite them to see it from a different perspective. But we'll get there in a minute. It could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, anybody said that? Okay, to you? That's not helpful, is it? How about some people who said, oh, just hold it there. I'll go and get the pastor. And sometimes that can be because you feel out of depth or sometimes it can be because you don't realize that the Lord has put you into that conversation for more than just you making a referral. Some of us in that moment when people are struggling, we get a savior complex and we feel like we've got to take the whole responsibility on and it's our moment to shine either through demonstrating our wisdom or or fixing it for somebody. So what I want to encourage you to do is, as you listen to a, somebody who is finding something difficult and hard, ask another question. Try and go a, live, a level deeper. Ask yourself, how am I listening to this? Because when people talk about what is most difficult, what is affecting them as their inner person, you are getting a sense of privilege to know that person in a new and fresh way one of the simplest and easiest things to do is just say thank you very much that you were willing to share something of that and talk to me about that I feel honored by that which was interesting on that phone call did you notice that was what I did when it when he said to it, look I, I need to sort myself out I'm in a bit of a mess and he's made himself vulnerable So I was able to say, do you know, I feel really honoured by the fact that you've been willing to just get in touch with me. And and, and I'd like to try and meet you in the midst of that if I can. And if I can, I'll try to be some help. And I suspect that the way that I'll be the most help is by helping you see and know how the Lord who is good and God and gracious will meet you in the midst of this. Let's pray. So when you listen, don't just listen out for the good, but listen out for the bad. But there's one more. Ugly. ugly. Okay. What is the ugly? And I go here very, very cautiously because this is the, tends to be the place where I go first. Because when, I'm, when I listen to somebody talking about how they're facing things, I just because I've got a, a, an over-exercised justice mu- muscle and righteousness, I'm on the listen out for people who are making choices or responding to their life out of their own selfishness. And I think part of that is because I'm just naturally judgmental like the rest of you. And I think part of that is because I'm aware of how stupid I am. And I assume everybody else is virtually as stupid as I am as well. And so when I listen to people talking about things and having a conversation, I am allowed biblically to listen for ways in which they are troubling their trouble or making decisions or pursuing things that are going to dishonor the Lord or hurt them. But the problem is, is I am and I go here really cautiously because my problem is that I tend to go here first rather than last. I tend to listen out for that in a disproportionate manner. I don't tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. One of the most painful examples of that to me was related to Wednesday Club, as was, now rooted, and Bethany. Uh, I remember that she'd just got to an age where she was allowed to get herself home for whatever time it was. It was like eight o'clock. And she knew full well, she knew full well that I expected her to be back, well, having left at eight, to be back by 8.30. That was plenty of time to chat and then make it back to the house. And on this one evening, it'd gone dark. It was starting to rain. I'd had a stressful day and I looked at the clock and it was 25 past eight. And was she anywhere down the street? no, and of course, as a gracious father, I'm obviously thinking, oh, there must be a really good reason that she's not here, no, I was like, this is another example of her unruliness that she gets from her mother, I knew, I just, how does she, I have honoured her, and I'm, if she doesn't get this under control, her life, she's going to be a drug addict, and a reprobate, and by the time she's 19, She's, right, I've got to take out by this time. It's like 8.28, and I'm out the door looking down the street. I'm like, this is disgusting. I thought I'd taught my daughters to honour me, and, oh, she's just such a rebel. It's now 8.30, and I'm on the street, standing there. there. She's not even a Christian. How could she do this to me? Doesn't she care, and doesn't she love? Around about 8.35, she runs down the street into the front door looking knackered, and I'm standing there to welcome her warmly. I'm like, not even hello, how are you doing? I'm like, well, what's all this about? And of course she, she just started to give me an answer and no, no, no excuses, and I offload on her. You're such a disgrace and a disappointment. And I can be pretty good at pouring on the emotional blackmail when I needed it. At which point I thought I would best wind it down because she's starting to shake. And so I simply said to her, dear Bethany, um, have you got anything to say for yourself? At which point she said, "Um, Daddy, I'm just really sorry. Um, But when I came out of what was Wednesday Club and I was on my way home and I've got a couple of minutes to spare, I saw one of the other people standing by the bus stop who'd been at Wednesday Club and I noticed that they were crying. And I looked at my watch and I thought, oh, flipping it, dad wanted me to be home on time, reliably, and I, I I know that's important to him because I know that stresses him out, and I don't want to do that, and I want to show that I'm being responsible. But I saw this girl and she was crying, and I thought to myself, What do I do? And I remembered that my daddy had taught me to put myself out to help and to love other people. So I'm really sorry for being late, Daddy, but I thought I'd done the right thing, please forgive me. (laughs) At which point, I nearly blubbered and said, no, forgive me! (laughs) (sighs) What is it that I was expecting and listening out for in that conversation? I was expecting the bad. And I needed to have slowed down and been listening for the good and the hard. I needed to be listening for her good motives. I needed to be listening for the hard choice that she had to make because she didn't want to be put in that choice. She had to make it. I had to listen out for the fact that she shouldn't have had to put up with a dad who was offloading on her. But nonetheless, having said all of that, I want to argue that when we listen in a conversation, we want to listen for people's wonky motives that deny the reality of God. We want to listen to the ways in which sometimes people um, will be living for things other than his love and grace or will be taking a posture of anger or pride or indignance toward, towards themselves or others in that conversation. And in that moment, be saying, listen, I've I'm, I'm noticed that this, you're really quite angry about something, aren't you? Um, and I could say, don't be angry. Or I could say to them, which maybe I've said to some of you at that point, say, can I just stop you for a second? As I'm listening to this, I'm sensing that there's a lot of anger about this, 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 and this. Am I right? You better believe I'm right. You're right. In that case, anger in the Bible is something that can be like a fire that we pour fuel on it and it just burns worse and the Lord doesn't get a look in. Would it be okay for me to pray with you now that this anger that it seems like it's burning quite hard in you, that we might be able to invite the Lord to meet you there so that you're not stuck there forever and so that however this thing is and whatever you've been wronged or however this is consuming you, you would be more consumed by his love and grace than what is your experience of this right now. How do you think people respond when I say that? why, thank you, Steve. <laughs> no, it's usually, <sighs> all right. And then I'll follow up later. So as we want to be those who pursue and get to know people, you'll find that people are absolutely amazing. They're incredibly interesting. I had a conversation with somebody for three and a half hours in a car that way and three and a half hours back and I didn't get bored once. Not because they were sort of celebrities and have got amazing stories to tell, but when you slow down and you chat with people, you move towards them, you get to know them, you find amazing things about the way they tick because they're made in the image of God. But that's not the reason we do it, because they're interesting. The reason we do it is because Christ pursued, came after us. So as we move through this series on caring for one another, Jonty needs to wake up, as we move through this series together... What we need to be doing is moving towards one another to know one another well as best we can so that we can bring the life of Christ to one another because I need you to be doing that for me and you need me to be doing that for you and Christ gets the honour and the glory when we pursue that cause. Do you see that? So having said all of that, we're going to celebrate in song now The privilege of being used in that cause. And as we sing this, as we sing.